Before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you about Organized Chaos. It's ESPN's newest podcast hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker Bart Scott. The duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday that will provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the league featuring trending stories from on and off the field. That's Organized Chaos. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, the Peabody and Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 film series presents Once Upon a Time in Queens, a four-part documentary event about the city, the swagger, and the wild ride of the 1986 Mets. This documentary explores the epic tale of one, one of baseball's most dominant and iconic teams and their legendary World Series comeback. Hear from former Mets players and fans, including Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Bill Burr, Cindy Lauper, and more. All four parts of Once Upon a Time in Queens are available to stream on ESPN Plus and the ESPN app now. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my boy, Super Bowl champion winning Ryan Clark in RC. I know you saw it. I know you saw the <laughs> Nick Diaz Army, <laughs> yeah, Nick yes, Diaz sir. Academy at the beginning. Listen, this dude is an absolute star. He makes mm. his return this weekend. We are going to discuss that later in the show. And also, we're going to talk about who is the all-time greatest BMFs and all of MMA. Hey, Ryan, not just UFC. I'm right. talking mixed martial arts completely. Who is that person that is a BMF? Right. In the truest sense in regards I'm to fighting. I'm just excited. I'm but excited RC. this time Mr. that they Everything won't let you cheat ESPN. me. Hey, <laughs> yeah, well, we know the rules now. And we actually <laughs> have somebody to, to kind of run the draft for us. But RC, Mr. Everything ESPN. I saw you yesterday. On first take, mm-hmm. I saw you on Get Up, mm-hmm. looking clean. Then I saw you on first, I mean, the bomber jacket was on point. Precise. I saw you on first take yesterday. The one thing that stood out most to me was, you look like a baby. <laughs> I mean, Stephen A. over six, Michael Irvin over six, you standing over there at 5'11". I'm thinking to myself, did somebody pick up my boy Clark? Clark, they should have put you on the hip so that you was on their level, hey, dog. Hey, first I off. I mean, come on, Hey, Ryan. first off, bro, ain't no putting me on the hip, man. It's just like baby. Nobody puts me in the corner. But I think they did that on purpose. You know, they wanted to make Michael Irvin, oh, Michael Irvin Mondays. And obviously, it's now Stephen A's show. He makes a gazillion million dollars to do TV for ESPN. PM, and I'm just little old <laughs> RC, man. I'm just the co-host of DC and RC. And they even put your initials first. So I guess they figured Come they on. would just put me in the back. And now they got these dudes towering over me, looking all <laughs> big. But here's the one thing I know, DC. If you put me on the field and you give me a small mm-hmm. lane, I like myself. You throw me in the octagon with either of those two, I like myself. And so it don't matter how I look on camera, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> My boy, I'm telling you, I'm taking the odds, RC. I got your back, and I know you got game. And it's good to see you really working, my man. You're working very, very hard right now. And guess what? In terms of the debates, my boy's out there shining. It's not like you ain't out there really flexing on him over and over. So keep doing your thing, my guy. Ryan, last weekend we watched uh, Anthony Smith yeah. fight against I don't even remember the guy's name right now. It's Ryan Span. Uh, I just remember it because I remember it because we got the same first Ryan name. Spann. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Span. Ryan Span. So Anthony Smith's fighting Ryan Span, right? And before the fight, 
You and I talked about it. Ryan Spann's angry. Ryan Spann's a bit disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Ryan Spann is almost dismissive of Anthony Smith's career. Anthony Smith is a guy who's fought over 50 times in his life. He's done everything, bro. The guy's fought for the title. He's gone up and down in weight classes. Goes out there, and honestly, Anthony Smith kind of made it look easy. Very easy. It was a non-event. Yep. He whitewashed. He washed out Anthony, He washed out Ryan Spann. Ryan Spann, Ryan Spann's like flipping and flopping all over the place. Every time he gets hurt, every time he gets hit, he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony submits him. But after the fight, Anthony gets in his face. And Anthony yells at him. And Anthony's a little bit upset. And I tweet right away. I go, hey, I have no problem with it. Because when you talk the talk, you better be willing to walk the walk. And there don't need to be fake friends after the fight with people hugging and shaking hands. It's real for a guy like Anthony Smith. What did you make of the fight, but also the actions after the fight? Listen, I love the fight. We, we talked about Anthony Smith now trying to get back to being a contender, a guy who's already fought John Jones for the title. And so if you're Anthony Smith, you understand when you're going against a guy who's not even in the top 10 and he's talking to you or talking about you as a has-been or as a non-factor, that is personal. And when you're in the fight game, it is personal. It's mano and mano. We are two individuals standing in the octagon, and one only one of us walks out victorious. Nobody's fighting for a draw. We're not fighting to be friends. And so if you coming for me, then I have the right mm. that if I go out, I do my job, especially do your job in the way Anthony Smith did his job. So you telling me every jab is going to wobble you, Ryan Spann? Every straight right is going to wobble you? You're going to throw a wild left hook and when I catch you with the right hook you drop then I pummel you I submit you I can do whatever I want to do and for anyone who's watching this fight and goes oh that's not sportsmanship or oh they should hug and be friends you know what I tell you go officiate in the NFL with this new soft taunting rule where every time a dude who has worked all week worked all his life to be in this position makes a play you throw a flag the, the thing that I kept thinking about, though, seeing Anthony Smith after the fight, D.C., and, and seeing his emotion and seeing that he had actual anger, does that affect you in the fight? When a guy like Ryan Spann talks about you and a guy like Ryan Spann makes it personal, can you get too amped up or, or can you forget your game plan? Or is, is it hard to actually focus and execute that way? And then when you do execute, do you feel the right to get in their face and let them know about it? Well, it's real, right? It's so real in regards to the emotion. Now, for me, I always fought better when I didn't try to let the emotions get too deep into the fight because with Jones, it was bad. Mm -hmm. But Anthony Smith was well within his right. And, Ryan, you talked about the NFL taunting rule. Bro, it's crazy. But it's not even just NFL. Hey, Ryan, these dudes can't celebrate. They can't have fun. Ryan, my 10-year-old son. (laughs) <laughs> I let him watch the old school videos of the game, right? right. When y'all was playing, when y'all could dance on people. <laughs> right. My 10-year-old son has gotten his team 15 in two weeks in a row. <laughs> My son's giving up 30 penalty yards because he's celebrating like Icky Woods. Right. Daniel's out there dancing because that's what football is supposed to be. It is, The man. league today, it's crazy how strict they are in regards to how people are acting. I'm glad that the UFC doesn't try to fall in line and penalize a guy for being emotional like Anthony Smith was mm-hmm. on Saturday night. But honestly, the emotion comes from not only winning against a guy that you don't like, but if you go back and rewind a year, 
Anthony Smith was having some real trouble, not only inside the octagon with his fighting, but just truly trying to understand where his career was going. Right. So let's take it back a year, RC. And this is what Anthony Smith had to say after he lost to Alexander Rakich. I don't know. I think I got some big decisions to make in my career and, and figure out where we go from here. You know, it's, it's super frustrating to, uh, to lose to a guy that, that, that you feel like you can beat. You know, it, once I got inside of the kicking range, I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel like he was outboxing me. You know, the second round on, as far as the striking went, I felt fine. Uh, once I adjusted the range, you know, I, I got to the clinch like I wanted to. Uh, I got to his body. It's just I wasn't able to finish a lot of those spots. So um, I don't I don't know. You know, I, 185 is still really tough. Mm. Uh, it's a total life, lifestyle change, and it's year-round. You know, it's not like one of those things where I can just get into camp and, and change change my diet and cut down. It, it's a complete lifestyle change, which is, you know, I guess that's one of the options. And, you know, I guess the other option is to take some time off and, and get bigger. Uh, so I, I don't know. You know, I got some things to decide on. You know, when you look at Anthony Smith here, right, he's very concerned and he has a lot of questions, RC. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you why these questions were going through his head. Rockage, I'm sorry, I called him Rakage before, but Alexander Rockage is a prospect, right? Mm -hmm. And when you lose a championship fight and you have a young, hot guy on his way up the rankings, they will put you in front of him almost as a stepping stone. So when Anthony Smith loses this fight, he starts to see himself as maybe a bit of a gatekeeper. Right. You don't want that in your career. But then you lose to Rockage, and then they put you in there against Devin Clark, another guy who was doing good at the time, prospect, beat him. Then they stick you in there with Jimmy Crute, who's supposed to be the man on his way up. You beat him. Then you put him in there with Ryan Spann, another young guy. Mm -hmm. You beat him. So Anthony Smith, who may have been thinking of himself as a gatekeeper a year ago, has now shut the door on three prospects. And that is why he was so emotional. Because when you start to lose to guys, you know, it's not John Jones he's losing to anymore. You lose to a guy like Rocket, who you don't see as the man at the time, you start to question things. But he seems to have gotten it all right. And when you watch him in there, he's fighting with more confidence than I've ever seen Anthony Smith fight with. No, he's absolutely fighting with more confidence, but you also have to think of where the timeline was at that point, DC. You lose to John Jones, uh, you lose to Glover to Sarah, and then now you, you lose to Rockage. You're starting to think to yourself, am I even, even a championship contender at 205 anymore? And now when you start mm -hmm. contemplating life, which is what he's doing, right? He's contemplating life like, maybe I need time off. Maybe I can't even compete at this weight anymore. That's difficult. You know, you know what, RC? And, and I'm glad you said that because that is seeing guys in real time. Mm -hmm. I always say how fighting is the most naked you could be, right? Right. The emotions are on display. You see that with Anthony Smith right there, right? You've seen it in real time, a guy trying to make these decisions because even though you lose a game, you're upset. Mm -hmm. You lose a fight, they still stick that camera in your face yep. and you're tasked with processing thoughts that you really can't do in that moment. Yeah, see, and, and, and that's the hard part for me. It's not only that you're vulnerable in the sense that you're there for the world, but you just lost. You just lost the fight. And when I listen to what he was saying after the Rockets fight, here is what I hear. I actually made the adjustments I thought I needed to make to win. 
I was able to get within kicking range because if you remember that fight, the leg kicks were very heavy early, right? The 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 the, the long range mm-hmm. fighting was going in Alexander Rockage way very early, and he felt like he changed that. So to feel like you make the adjustments, think you've made the changes that you need to make in order to win the fight, and in truth, the fight doesn't even become close. That's difficult. You start to question whether your talent level is good enough, whether your training is good enough, whether you can ever get mm. back to the level that you once were. But what I hear after the Ryan Spann fight is a, a fighter that's confident in who he is, a fighter that feels like he's gotten his groove, mm. and a fighter that can now look back at the Rockets fight and say, you know what, I kind of see what I did wrong there. I've corrected some things. I think it's time to get that opportunity again. And he knows that now we're both two top five fighters in this division. Oh, and by the way, the dude standing at the top of the light heavyweight division is no longer the king. It's no longer a guy that's run through everybody. It's no longer a legend. It's a guy who we know through his career has been very beatable. Here is my chance. And so I love this about fighting is that you get to call out who you want. And like he said, hey, man, Merry Christmas to me because it seems like Alexander Rockage wants to fight as well. Yeah, he does. Rockage was immediately accepting of Anthony Smith. And that's what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. When you get beat and you're on a downturn, you go back, you fix things, you get the ship going in the right direction, and you head back down the path of chasing down the championship. Now, what you don't see very often is a lot of people say, that last guy that beat me, is the one that I want to beat in order to propel myself that's crazy into to me. that title hey, that's crazy opportunity. To me. That seems as though it's it's crazy, right? You would seem to want to be away from that guy. <laughs> right. But that is what Anthony Smith is doing. But listen, man, this dude's an OG. Mm-hmm. Dude's an OG. Dude's fought over 50 times, and he's not even in his mid-30s yet. He's still right. early in his 30s. The dude is a savage, and he's an OG, and he's smart. I work with him at the desk at times, and Anthony Smith is a very smart guy in regards to fighting, breaking down fighting, and his team at Factory X is a very good team. Does this sound familiar? You've got one (laughs) device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phones, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Yep. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies per package. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, 
it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ryan, last weekend, the fights were great. The football was great. I mean, I had my 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 iPad. <laughs> I had my TV running. But I got to be honest, I had my NFL Sunday ticket. And I honestly would not be able to do all that without... Direct TV. Well, it's Our funny. Our friends at Direct TV who are so solely. I mean, it's so funny that they are so solely in our corner. And Ryan, you have a message from our good friends over at Direct TV. And what do they have to say this week, my hey, friend? Hey, I sure do, brother. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phones, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Yep. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies per package. You know, DC, I'm glad you threw me that. Uh, yeah, that, yeah that, RC. That, hey, that direct hey, TV. Hey, RC. Read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RC, <laughs> I use direct TV stream. I'm on the stream. I'm on the stream. I, gotta be honest, I didn't know what direct TV stream was until you got the they started sponsoring the show. So she. I love the direct TV. So you stream. know what that's know what that means, DC? That more people need to sponsor the show because we will actually give you our money. You yes. see how that works? Also, too, DC. I know you threw me. <laughs> you threw me this uh, my my direct TV ad, and I appreciate it. But also, I'm I'm starting to feel like you only tweet me when you have an issue with me. You know, I put out what I thought was a very intelligent tweet this week. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I said, Jake Paul gets to box his opponents because of Conor McGregor, Silva, Belfour, Woodley, Ortiz, Askren, all got an extra check because of Conor. When Conor stood across from the greatest boxer of his era, of our era, 50-0, and 0, Floyd Mayweather, I didn't tweet that, but I'm saying that now, he held his own and he gave all of this credence. I said, love or hate it, you gotta respect it. And all of a sudden, DC, you come at me and you're like, well, and then you're probably talking in your new warrior, I'm an actor voice, you were like, well, Ryan, though I agree somewhat, I also have to disagree. And I'm wondering, I'm like, why is DC talking to me in his actor voice on Twitter? So tell me, DC, where do you disagree with that? Because I think that it's such a unique circumstance under which Conor McGregor got to fight Floyd Mayweather. It's Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really lend itself to an actual Tyron Woodley. It just doesn't seem to be on the same scale, right? Conor can do anything. So when Conor started talking about fighting Floyd, I instantly thought it was a possibility. Right, instantly. I never questioned whether or not he would go in there. And there were a number of people that believed that he could win the fight. On the other side, Connor didn't necessarily hold his own against Floyd. 
that's where I wholeheartedly disagree. Okay. He went nine rounds, but it was eight rounds to zero in the ninth round when he got <laughs> knocked out. So it's not like he held his own against Floyd Mayweather. But it's like I know that impossible is not real with Conor McGregor. To watch Tyron Woodley fight a Jake Paul, that doesn't seem as far-fetched when Tyron Woodley is not in the UFC anymore, when Tyron Woodley is about to be 40, if not 40, has lost as many fights in a row as he's done. And many people thought Tyron Woodley was going to get beat by Jake Paul. Whereas with Conor, he's in the UFC. He got the UFC's blessing to do it. And he went and fought the greatest fighter of all time. Not our era. I think Floyd's the best boxer of all time. And Conor got to fight him as an amateur. How did this thing get sanctioned? How did this fight get sanctioned? It got sanctioned. It got sanctioned because it was... 50 boxes, but... It got sanctioned because they were both stars, right? And 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 I understand what you're saying, DC. This this is what you're doing, DC. You're this is why yes. they gave us a show together because you're the fighter. You want to look at everything from an analytical fighting perspective, and you're always wrong. That's why they gave us a show, DC, so I can set you oh. straight. What? What? What you got to say, bro? What? What do you mean I'm always wrong? I'm absolutely right right now because the reality is. Even people on the inside did not think that Tyron was going to fight and beat Jake Paul. I know, but DC, DC. Connor got the UFC's blessing to go and do that, Ryan. It's a different deal. You're talking DC, about a guy I, and guys that are outside of the company fighting in these fights. Vitor is not with the UFC no more. Anderson's not with the UFC no more. Tyron's not with the UFC no more. Asker's not with the UFC no more. Connor got to do this DC. while still under contract DC. with the UFC. DC, I was nobody's talking about contracts, Mr. UFC, Mr. Two Division Champ. Nobody's talking about that, <laughs> oh, DC. What on. I'm talking about is this, right? Before Conor McGregor crosses over, and everything yes. that you said is correct in the sense that he got the UFC's blessing. Why? Because Conor McGregor stepping into that world brought more eyes to the UFC. It brought more eyes to MMA. I personally didn't think that Conor McGregor stood a chance, which he didn't. I understand that. And when I say held his own, I don't mean the fact that I ever thought Floyd was in trouble. What I meant was he looked the part. Even though all we've ever seen was Conor McGregor in Reebok tights, when putting on those shorts, putting on those boots, he looked the part in the ring. He even landed a great uppercut at one point. And you were like, oh my goodness, Conor McGregor right. landed a punch. Wait, so listen, so my point is this. My point is this, right? Now, obviously, Jake Paul drives the entertainment. Jake Paul drives the brand. But we watch somebody like Ben Askren, who I know, if I stand across from Ben Askren with gloves, I feel comfortable, right? We watch him go in the ring against Jake Paul because we say, you know what? We've seen MMA fighters cross over before. Anderson Silva, who's one of the greatest, Silva, who's one of the greatest strikers of all time, gets the opportunity to fight Chavez Jr. And you know what I think to myself? It's Anderson Silva. If you watched him strike, you know that he can stand on his feet and throw hands. And what happens? He wins. Like, and, and all of these people are getting these opportunities because we had a chance to watch Conor McGregor do it. I'm not saying that Conor McGregor went over there and could actually beat other boxers, but he stood across from Floyd Mayweather and we paid to see it. So now when these other, when these MMA the guys are being called out to box DC, we give it credits because we've seen it before, but where did we see it? We didn't see it until Conor we, McGregor it, stood across from we, the dude you said is the greatest. I am so upset with you. I'm so upset. Why? Why are you upset with me? 
Why are you upset with me? Because you're changing the argument. Because I think Floyd's the greatest of all time. No, because you're you're making this an organization argument. It's not that. No, listen. How am I changing the argument? Look at me. Just you saw. Hey, you saw me just drop the top. Look at that. Hey, RC. I was up here. It looked like you got a little shorter. I don't know what happened. So look, I just dropped the top on you. I got to get myself real good. Look, I dropped the top in order to finish this stuff. Ryan, I'm not changing the argument. I'm just telling you that I get it. I get that Connor did it at a bigger level, but we have seen what we what we haven't seen before and what we haven't seen again is what Connor McGregor did. Is Connor still in the organization? What we have seen before and what we have seen again is guys like Anderson, Tyrant, Ben, who aren't in the organization go and fight somewhere else. For years. We've seen guys leave the UFC. Clay Collard has started a second career in boxing because he's not with the UFC anymore. What we have not seen, though, is a guy under contract, a guy that's a star in the octagon, go to boxing, fight a guy like Floyd Mayweather, and then go back to the octagon. That's the difference, Ryan. And that's where the disagreement was from me. Now, I get what you're saying. Oh, Connor made it possible. Well, Connor wasn't the first one to do this, Ryan. We've seen this for years, but we've seen only guys that are no longer under contract do it, not guys that are under contract doing it. So, Ryan, and with that, my friend, look at this. Look at this. You know this little thing right where they kind of do like, and I will drop my hand like that. I'll show you the sunroof <laughs> of the bald head. And the argument has been won. By Daniel Cormier. DC. I'm everybody give me a hand. DC, I that feel like I'm good. not I'm not I'm not giving you a hand for that. You didn't just win the world title. You are still <laughs> arguing something that I wasn't arguing. But you know what? It's okay, DC, because after this, if we get an opportunity, man, we can hang out, we can crack us open a nice modello, and we can finally be friends again. <sighs> but speaking of modello, they're our friends too. They have the fighting spirit. I think you have an ad read. I absolutely do, and I love the way you said we can go and crack one. But you know what, though, RC? You know what makes Modelo special? It's brute for those with the fighting spirit. And what would you expect? Anything less. How could you expect anything less from the official beer of the UFC? Modelo was the underdog. It came from humble beginnings, and it never gave up. It's brewed from premium hops to create a crisp Pilsner-style lager, which set the standard for authentic Mexican beer. So, Ryan, the next time that you and I are sitting on your couch of your 20,000-square-foot mansion <laughs> watching the UFC fight card, we got to make sure that we've got the beer that's always in our corner. Modelo, it's brew for those with the fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Now, RC, I would love to sit in your mansion in the sunroom and watch a UFC. But I'm going to be octagon side on Saturday for Mm -hmm. UFC 266. Two title fights and the return of Nick Diaz. Now, for reference, I'm going to say this. Nick Diaz has not been here for a long time. He has not fought since he fought Anderson Silva way back in the day. Yep. He has kind of gone away. But he, he, he stays a bit of an enigma like his brother. But the moment they show up, people tune in. Now, Yesterday, the countdown release on YouTube. Valentina Shevchenko fighting Lauren Murphy. 61,000 views. Volkanovski versus Ortega. 155,000 views. This is 24 hours. Nick Diaz, after five and six years away, versus Robbie Lawler, two. 935,000 views 
and 24 hours. The guy's an absolute star. And that is still the truth. But with all the time away, right? Yep. All the time away. Yesterday, somebody put something up like it's been 209 months. Mm -hmm. The 209, yep. where Diaz from Stockton is from since those guys fought the first time. 209 months, which is a crazy thing to think about. Now Diaz comes back after all this time away. Mm -hmm. The numbers show that people still care. But what are the expectations for a guy that's been away from this long, especially from your point, right, where you remember Nick Diaz laying on the ground, grabbing his head against right. Anderson, <laughs> right. doing his thing. What do you think you're going to see in Diaz this weekend when he returns to the Octagon? I, th I think you're going to see the same old, same old from the antics, right? You're going to see a guy who's willing to fight, a guy who's willing to taunt, someone who's going to stand across from his opponent and, and be in his face and be ready to go and make it an interesting fight and have a great time. But it's the skill set I'm looking for. I think people... People just don't remember that when we were talking about Nick Diaz back in the day, it was in the same conversations as, you know, as the GSPs, the same conversations as the Carlos Condits, Natural Born Killers. He obviously had an opportunity to stand in the octagon with Anderson Silva. Nick Diaz was not only a star by, the, the, by, by his fame or by his, his, his infamy or by the way that he brought people and his following. He was a star because of his skill set, right? Because he comes from a jiu-jitsu background, but he understood the stand-up game in a way that it was interesting and he was an enigma inside the octagon will we still see that he's going to be by, by fight night he's going to have been away from the octagon for 2430 days for for just some reference the the, the two people that headlined the, the the card that Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz fought on first were Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz bro like, like, that's how long <laughs> Nick Diaz has been in the game. And so I would actually, because, like, I, you, you know, you think about, like, Alden Smith. You think about Antonio Brown. You think about Josh Gordon. Some of these guys who were great players who had long stints away from the game, none of those dudes were away for five, six years. So for you, DC, a dude who has been in the octagon at the championship level, fought the, the best fighters in the world, how do you think you could handle a five-year layoff, six-year layoff, and what do you think do you think Nick Diaz will be like on Saturday night versus Robbie Lawler? You know the difference between Nick Diaz and, and most people and guys like AB, right? Like mm -hmm. AB doing his thing right now in Tampa. Balling. But like guys like those guys who are younger, right, they're so active. Diaz still does triathlons. Diaz is, is always working out. He's constantly running. He teaches jujitsu, has his own academy. He's still so active that even in those five years, you got to think that Nick Diaz has been still learning and growing in the sport. He just has not been in the training camp, whereas his brother still fought. Gil Melendez is still fought. Jake Shields is still fought. That whole original scrap pack, right? Cesar Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, what's up? You know, like those guys. Those guys all have still fought. So Nick has been around. And those guys are improving and getting better. So you'd imagine that Nick is not a guy that's been away for long like me. I've been away for 13, 14 months. Mm -hmm. But I feel different. I feel retired because I want to spend my time on the golf course, whereas Nick Diaz <laughs> spends his time doing triathlon. He spends his time on the bike. He spends his time in the jiu-jitsu room, in the mat room. He's not living the life of a retired fighter, even mm -hmm. though he's away from the sport. So I kind of imagine that he's going to look pretty similar, and he got the right kind of matchup.
Right. It's not like he was forced into one of the fights like it looked like he was going to get. Man, there were rumors of guys like Hamza Chimaev right. calling him out. Guys like Neil Magny, guys fighting uh, Kamaru Usman. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing here? We can't put him in there with those guys. That's leading put him to in the there with a guy like Robbie Lawler. Guys fought before. <clears throat> yep, a guy that is a former champion but has not looked great lately. Mm-hmm. You put him in there with the right type of matchup that not only can be competitive, but it also touches on that nostalgia, right, of a time where Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler were two of the baddest men walking the face of planet Earth, yeah. right? And so you get that, and you get a very competitive fight. So I expect uh, a good fight on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this fight. I mean, as excited, because when I think of Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz and, and Stockton, I just remember that Sons of Anarchy was a, was set in a fictional place that was supposed to be right next to Stockton. And them dudes remind me of that so much. And so I just get excited even thinking about it. But when you talk about Nick Diaz's layoff, you can't talk about that without what he was taking that layoff for. And it was obviously marijuana use and things have changed both in the NFL, obviously in the UFC, as it pertains to marijuana use. And, you know, we we wanted to get a little bit of a little bit more insight into that. So here's Jeff Nowitzki going to kind of bring us through how the UFC now sees marijuana use. Marijuana is still prohibited in competition, but we're not going to use urine or blood excretion to measure that. The amount of THC that comes out in your urine has very little, if any, correlation with impairment of being under the influence or high on marijuana. When you look at you know, the historical dealing of marijuana, it's more of a social issue. Drugs are bad versus what anti-doping should be. Make sure the athlete doesn't have an advantage or make sure the athlete's not harming themselves by being under the influence. The UFC's preference would be that our athletes not use any drugs and substances, none. So, you know, this shouldn't be taken that the UFC is out advocating for for our athletes to use marijuana. But the reality is our athletes, you know, train hard, they compete hard. They're not like normal human beings and what they put their bodies through. And so many of them have conditions where they may need a drug or a substance to treat. And you look at the pharmaceutical choices there, very highly addicted. And, you know, I understand why some of these athletes make the decision that they prefer to go the route of marijuana to treat these things. That to me, that makes total sense. That is looking at marijuana use with some common sense, right? With with a rational and logical mind. I remember when I was on the NFL PA executive board and we were talking with the NFL about raising raising the level of THC it took to get a positive test in the NFL. And this guy right here, wait, wait. This guy right here, my God, man. Oh, when I was on the NFL PA executive board, like I mean this dude right here, man. Like I just don't understand that time. Sometimes I look at you and I'm like, wow, this dude right here. Oh, hey, man. man. Hey, DC. Please continue. DC, like- <laughs> not all of us can be Olympian wrestlers. Not all of us can be two division champions. Some of us have to do some other things. And that was part of what I did. And at the time, and at, and at the time, mar- marijuana use was something that, that was foreign to me. And not in the sense of I had never seen people do it, like my homeboys and all that, you know, they smoked marijuana and all they would ever do. Like I never had an issue from them. They just ate my food and played video games. And so now when you look at the way it's being used in sport, I think of Shakari Richardson, 
right? Shakira Richardson lost her opportunity to be an Olympian because of marijuana use. And now to hear Jeff Nowitzki say, you know, marijuana use, as long as you're not in a position to hurt yourself, as long as it's not putting you in a position to have some type of advantage as far as performance goes, that's what we're looking at. And I think about the NFL in that sense as well, them thinking to themselves, okay, we need to raise the level of THC it takes to get a positive test. And honestly, I'm gonna be honest, if you get popped for a positive test for marijuana in NFL, you're just stupid. You're stupid and you're undisciplined because they give you the dates within you with, with within which you can be tested in. Because I think the world is starting to see marijuana used differently. Obviously, it's being legalized in so many different states. But also, when you think of the alternative, which we heard Jeff Nowitzki mention during that piece, the alternative is worse. The the people that get addicted to opiates, the people who we see going into rehab for painkillers, the way that that affects athletes after they retire. And so I'm so glad that now we're finally coming to a place to where we understand that this type of self-medication does not lead to destruction. It doesn't lead to the destruction of all individuals. It doesn't lead to the destruction of our sports. And so for Nick Diaz to get an opportunity to fight again, not only to me symbolizes his comeback as a fighter, but it also symbolizes the way that we have changed the view and perception of marijuana use. Yeah, and it's, it's showing the world is coming around, mm -hmm. right? People, I, I can't believe they were treating these athletes for using marijuana, smoking, which generally would you would think would mess with the cardio, in the same way they were treating athletes that were taking steroids. People were taking steroids and getting suspended for a year. Nick Diaz had originally like a three to four year suspension for marijuana. It was always ridiculous. It was always ridiculous, and I'm glad that the UFC has now understood that it was ridiculous. USADA is now treating it as if it was ridiculous, but you cannot do it in competition. So what that says is for a period of time before you go into the competition, you have got to stop. You got to lay off the weed. You got to lay off the marijuana. You got to lay off the brownies and whatever else you're doing to try to medicate yourself going into the fights because they want you to not only be uh, uh, he healthy and off of it, but also in shape and not put yourself yeah. at risk to not be in tune with what's going on in the moment, right? Because anybody that's ever smoked or done anything knows that it slows you down mm -hmm. and you're as calm and relaxed as you can be. <laughs> so they don't want you to deal with that. Yeah. So take some time away from the marijuana and going into competition. It doesn't really affect the NFL as much, right? Because mm -hmm. you're always in competition. You play every right. single week. You don't have time to not be in competition during the season. Uh, so you got to kind of lay off the marijuana during that time. But I'm glad that Nick is back. I'm excited to call the fight. And I cannot wait for the reaction that Nick Diaz is going to get when he hits the curtain in the T-Mobile Arena on Saturday. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Tune in tomorrow. We will draft the top BMF fighters of all time. We also preview UFC 266.